my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is January 16th through the 22nd, and we are talking about John 1. Now, there is only one chapter for this week's readings, and even though it's not very long of a section to read, I found it really interesting that I found this pattern within this just one chapter, this pattern and there's a phenomenon that occurs three different times in this one chapter. And I want to talk about this phenomenon that occurs three times. Now, the three times that it happens, we are going to read about those different times. The first one occurs with John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is baptizing Bethvara. And he, he's gathered this really big following. And so the Jews, the leaders of the Jews, send priests and Levites to go check on who this John person is, right? Because it's at a time when lots of people are looking for the Messiah. And so it's kind of their job to check on the legitimacy of John the Baptist. And so they go out and they're like, who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you Elias? Who are you? John says, I'm not the Messiah. Now, later on a little bit when the Savior is approaching him to be baptized, when Christ is walking towards John, this is what John says. So this is John chapter 1, and it is verse 30. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. So what John is saying is, this is the guy that I was telling you about. He's the Messiah. He is the preferred one. He's the one who came before me. He's the one that I'm not even worthy to take care of his shoes, basically. And so... While there's not all the context in the world, what I'm picturing is John is teaching a group of people and then Christ, he sees Christ approaching and he's like, everybody, look, that's who I've been talking about. That's the Messiah. This is the person that you need to be following. And he basically testifies out loud. He makes everybody look at the Savior. Second time that this phenomenon occurs. So this is... So there were two disciples that started to follow Christ. Um, and one of them, so they spent some time with Christ, gain a testimony of Christ. One of them is Andrew. And Andrew runs off to go find his brother, Simon, who becomes Peter. And this is what occurs. It's John chapter 1, and it is verses 41 through 42. He first findeth his own brother. So he, as in Andrew, he first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation of So Andrew takes his brother to Christ. Third time to curse. This is with Philip, who is also a person who has followed Christ for a little while. Basically, gains a testimony and he runs to his friend Nathaniel and he says, Nathaniel, we found the Messiah that everybody's been looking for. We found him and he is Jesus of Nazareth. And this is what occurs. So this is John chapter one, verse 46. And Nathaniel said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, come and see. Now, I could have just talked about one example and then we could have talked about all the principles, but I wanted to highlight the significance of this principle by highlighting the frequency, which in 
highlighting the frequency by which it occurs in this one chapter. It's just one chapter, and it occurs three times. This idea that people are bringing their friends and family directly to the Savior, rather than Philip going being like, we found the Messiah. This is everything that he taught me. This is all this really cool stuff. Instead, he says, come and see the Savior. Come directly to him. And this is precisely what we should be doing in our own life, right? Rather than trying to convince people or all these different things, we should be doing everything in our power to bring them directly to Christ. So I want to talk about why we should be doing that. And then I want to talk about how we do that, how we bring him, our friends and family and our loved ones directly to Christ. Now, it seems kind of obvious as to why we would want to bring them directly to Christ, but I want to explore it a little bit anyway. Number one reason as to why we would want to bring them directly to Christ. And that is because it is so much easier (laughs) than trying to do it the other way, which is convincing them with our own imperfect power. So I am very guilty of this a lot. So the gospel makes perfect sense to me. The more I study it, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, this fits in with this and this fits in with this and it all comes full circle and everything, all the details are just perfect, right? It makes perfect sense to me. And because I get so excited about this, I often try to convince people of the gospel by sharing all these details that I think are so cool and make perfect sense. I have learned this lesson a million times, but as one example of the time when the Spirit tried to teach me this lesson again, I went to a lesson with the missionaries. And they had some questions about polygamy, right? And from their perspective, without the influence of modern revelation, they made some really, really great points about polygamy, right? And I kept trying to explain all these things and bring up all this stuff out of the scriptures. And I was trying to explain all these things. And the spirit finally got my attention and made me pause for a second and just chastised me just a little bit. And I felt prompted to share my testimony instead of trying to do what I was trying to do. And so I did. I just brought my testimony. I was like, you know what? A lot of people in the church still have a hard time with polygamy. And they're kind of like, well, why do they follow it? And I was able to bear my testimony that even when there are things that we don't understand in the gospel, the people people are still able to follow it because they know that the truth is there. Even if they don't understand all of the concepts surrounding it, the spirit has still been guiding them in that direction. I was able to bear my testimony. And this, these points that we had been arguing for more than just this lesson, right? They'd had this question over and over and over and over and over again. Couldn't quite get past it. After I finally followed the spirit and the spirit bore witness, and I was able to bear testimony it was like never brought up again. <laughs> it, we just moved on like so smoothly, even though the questions weren't necessarily answered. The spirit had guided us and it was just so much more powerful than trying to convince them of these perspectives that had made sense to me. Right. I couldn't actually walk this couple to Christ in the same way that Philip or Andrew or John the Baptist did. But I essentially did the same thing, right? Like we bring the spirit in, which testifies of Christ, which essentially brings the feelings of Christ to these people, right? It is so much more effective. It's also easier because all of a sudden, it's easier to take them directly to Christ than rather 
rather than trying to convince them, it's easier because we don't have to be nervous. We don't have to be full of fear. We don't have to feel a ton of pressure to do it right because it's not on us, right? It's not about us. It's not about what we can bring to the table or anything like that. We just point to Christ. And if they can look and see Christ, they will naturally want to follow him because of who he is. It completely takes pressure off of us. And so it's so much easier. Number two reason why we should take others directly to Christ rather than having them look towards us. It's because anything less than a direct connection with the Savior himself will be insufficient. When people follow people, there is, I would even bet (laughs) that there is 100% of the time, there is some disillusionment. And we see this occur all the time when someone runs into an issue with the brethren, right? Where they're like, they suddenly become very disillusioned, like they were expecting perfection and there wasn't perfection. And they're like, okay, well, this must not be right because they're supposed to be inspired, right? Unless there is a direct connection with Christ, people are always, we are all disappointing, (laughs) unfortunately. Every single one of us is disappointing. And so there will always be disillusionment unless they are following Christ directly. They also need a direct connection with the Savior because they need their own revelation. They need their own revelation because something that makes perfect sense to me may be meaningless to them. Something that brings me an immense amount of peace and just quiets my heart and everything is fine may not be the perspective that works for them. And the right decision for me, the exact path I'm supposed to take may not be the right direction for them, right? Anytime we try to filter the light of Christ through us, it comes out clouded. They need their own direct connection. Now, it's wonderful that we have this testimony now of why we try to bring others to Christ. And now let's talk a little bit about how we do that. Now, there's a million ways to do that, but I'm going to talk about general principles, and then hopefully we can come up with our own examples underneath um, the umbrella of some of these principles. Now, I want you to think about Philip and Nathaniel. So Philip was the one, he ran to Nathaniel. He's like, we found the Messiah. He's from, he's Jesus of Nazareth. And he's like, does anything good come out of Nazareth? So if we continue on in that story, um, Philip brings Nathaniel back to Christ. Now, there are there's a similitude in how we have to bring others to Christ. And what I mean by that is Philip had to leave the Savior and go to where Nathaniel was. He had to meet Nathaniel right where he was. So in our day, spiritually speaking, I have a loved one who wants nothing to do with the gospel. And there are really significant reasons for that. But they want nothing to do with the gospel. And so when I meet this person where they're at, we talk about Christ-like principles without talking about Christ. Now, normally that's not what we want to do, 
but let me elaborate a little further. So we talk about following those deep feelings that this person still continues to have. And we talk about how forgiveness can bring self-healing. We talk about how we can build healthy relationships as we try to become more selfless, right? And I think part of meeting someone where they're at includes not feeling an immense need to just catapult them right to the presence of the Savior, right? Rather than just trying to catapult them, it means being content with the steps that they are prepared to take. So even though my loved one cannot yet accept an idea of Christ, they don't want anything to do with with the church, there are still steps that speak to my loved one. That is still a step towards Christ. Now, after we have gone and met our friend where they are, we still have to walk back with them to Christ. And a lot of these steps can look different. They can come in different orders. But a couple of the steps that we can talk about, the number, the first step, is that we can reflect the light of Christ. And there are lots of ways to do this. The way that I'm thinking of specifically is we have gained It's when we have gained such an individual testimony of Jesus Christ, we have spent sufficient time in his presence that the truth of Christ and who he is affects all of our perspectives. That even when we're in the midst of despair, we have this bedrock that we're still standing on when everything else falls apart. And in the best of times, They're made even sweeter by the fact that we know that they are gifts from a loving Savior. And when we have that perspective and that faith, it it radiates, it emanates. Our happiness, our trust, all of these things just naturally come out and affect those around us. People can feel it. Even if they don't feel it consciously, they can feel it. And they will want it. They will want to walk towards those same attitudes that you have. Another step that we can take with our loved ones is to do our best. We're not going to be perfect, but to do our best to embody the love of Christ. So when you are standing in front of another person and maybe you're really exhausted from the day and you don't even really want to talk to somebody (laughs) Maybe you are nervous about how they're going to take things or how they're going to feel about it. When you take the time to push those thoughts aside, because that's not what Christ thinks about. (laughs) When you push those thoughts aside and you look at that person in the eyes and you see them for the child of God that they are, regardless of everything else that's going around, when you're able to look at them and focus on them to think about what they need, to think about the fact that they are the protagonist in their own story and you can be a person who helps this protagonist in their story, when you can manifest that love, the kind of love that Christ gives us, it will change them. They will see it. They will more fully be able to understand the love that Christ has for them. 
Now, going back to our story of Philip and Nathaniel. So if you continue on in the story with Philip and Nathaniel, Nathaniel follows Philip back and Nathaniel goes before the Savior. And maybe we're missing a lot of details. I think we're missing a lot of details because what happens is Nathaniel comes and he, the Savior's like, hey, look, it's Nathaniel, a man who has no guile. And Nathaniel's like, I'm sorry, do you know me? <laughs> and the Savior's like, I saw you under the fig tree when Philip was going to bring you, and Nathaniel's like, oh my gosh, you're the son of God. Now, in my mind, how I'm picturing this story, that may or may not be missing a couple of details, I'm picturing that the Savior saw Philip and Nathaniel basically in vision, right? Otherwise, it probably wouldn't have been that impressive if he's like, hey, I saw you standing under the tree over there, and then you came over. The Savior probably saw him. So Nathaniel noticed this, like, oh, how'd you know I was under a fig tree? But I don't know that that would have been sufficient to bring the testimony, the testimony moment that Nathaniel needed in order to understand the Savior for who he was. Rather, and I could be totally wrong, but in my mind, Nathaniel felt something in the presence of the Savior combined with this note that the Savior had seen him under a fig tree in a vision. When we can help people feel that, they will naturally want to follow the Savior. They, are more full, they, are, they will more fully understand the Savior. And how can you say no to that kind of love? The last step I want to talk about, even though there's probably a lot more steps we can take, the last one that I want to talk about is teaching them how to speak to Christ and how to hear him. So it's great if we can walk them and they're in the vicinity of Christ, but up until the point where they actually talk to him and hear from him, it's still going to be insufficient. And so when someone comes to you and they're like, I'm having this problem or this really difficult time, or I have this question and I don't know what to do, rather than trying to give them our perspective and trying to give them the answer that we received regarding that same question or our life examples, rather than doing any of that or giving advice, if we could teach them, okay, we're going to take your question or even your concern. It doesn't even have to be a specific question, but like, let's just write it down. <laughs> we'll write it down a piece of paper and then you kneel with them and you pray and you show them the words that they can pray. And then you open the scriptures together and you read with them and you pull out phrases or you ask them about some of the feelings that they're having. And you write all these things down and you try to make sense of it and you try to help them see the revelation in it. You teach them the process of speaking to him so that they can enter into his presence. So that they can be with him. And you won't have to do anything. <laughs> the Spirit will take care of it if we walk them towards Him. I know that the Savior is worth knowing. I know that as we get to know Him, our life changes. Our perspective on everything changes. And I know that other people can see that change in us and they will want it. And the most effective way that we can bring those same changes into their lives is to walk them directly to the source of our own change. I know that the Savior can manipulate all the circumstances in our lives for our good. And that is made more sweet by the fact that I know that he does it because he loves us. I am grateful for my Savior. I'm grateful for my relationship with him and how it's changed my life. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.